You are listening to a five-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Generous. This series aims to equip you in becoming a generous person, not only one who blesses other people, but someone who experiences financial peace and reduces worry. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Good morning. Uh, Last week we kicked off a sermon series called Generous, and that was to prepare us really uh, for this next, um, uh, this next initiative, resource initiative, this invitation for more and better. In fact, if you have that flyer, would you grab that out of your bulletin pack? I hope you brought a backpack. We've got a lot of stuff for you to take home today. My kids come home from school. It's like, man, the teacher loaded you up today. Well, I'm going to load you up today. And so um, I'll communicate more details about this, the, 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 both on the why, the what, and and the how uh, in the following weeks, and particularly through uh, email websites and, 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 and letters. But let me just offer you another summary. What we feel to do uh, in this next uh, season, in response to just I mean, what you just saw on video, is that we want to see that repeated over and over again. But the only way that we'll see that repeated over and over again is if, if we're proactively looking to where God is leading at. And we feel to uh, do a couple things. One is we want to... A purchase a facility for the Kirkwood location, as well as improve all of the locations. Um, uh, so here in the city, as well as the lake and Washington improvements everywhere, which will improve our Sunday morning, but it will also improve uh, what we do for our kids and our youth. Uh, we want to resource a church planning fund because what we do primarily isn't for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of those who are not yet us, and so we all stand on the sacrifices of, of Christians that have gone before us, whether that be last week or last year or last century or uh, as far as back you want to go to where Jesus first sent out the disciples. So we all stand on the sacrifices of others, and the way that this thing keeps going is that we continue to plant. We need to resource that. Just like your name, uh, for your name to continue to grow, you need to multiply. You need to uh, have babies. Well, for the church to continue, the church has to have babies. It has to multiply. It has to plant. So we want to be on the front foot of that, resource that, as well as resource an adoption fund. We want to continue to uh, serve uh, the mar- marginalized, and there are a lot of reasons to believe. Um, I mean, just statistically, uh, those numbers do not get better. They're getting worse, and we want to be a, a community that's committed to uh, serving that. So we want to resource an adoption fund why we feel to do this, it's not because we're bored. Um, we've got things to do, it's not why. And it's definitely not because we have an obsession with uh, facilities, because we don't. We don't trick out our facilities. It's, we're not motivated that way. But we are motivated for love for our cities. We are motivated to follow what we believe God is telling us to do. We just can't imagine another way of living than following God and, and loving other people. And there are a lot of, again, practical questions, and I'm going to get to that, but the, the main thing I want to do early on is just prepare us pastorally um, for what we're about to get ourselves into, both mentally, as, but particularly our heart. I mean, even at the mention of something like this, you know, I could just see the room, like, put their hand on their back pocket like somebody's going for their wallet. Uh, nobody's going to go for your wallet. Uh, God's not going for your wallet. He's not after your money. He is after your heart. Or maybe you feel insecure about what you have. Um, it all counts. We talked about that last week. God uses the widow's might. He, he uses just the few pennies that we have. But he also uses Barnabas's field. 
Uh, but this is really about our hearts and are we willing to uh, give what we have. And when we do, God always does a miracle. God always does a miracle and both build the church. And so uh, this series is about preparing our hearts. So last week we talked about the priority of generosity. To be a generous person uh, has to be something that you prioritize. And even under severe uh, poverty, as we uh, heard last week the Macedonians were, were under, their extreme poverty did not affect their joy and it did not affect their generosity. So generosity must be a priority. And then this week, I want to talk about the barriers of generosity. And Jesus addresses three big ones in Matthew 19 to 34. Um, you can turn there if you want. Uh, I'll have these on the screen. just want to warn you, I'm going to be reading the NIV today. Uh, we haven't lost our way. We still like the ASV so if you can, bear, don't leave the church. Um, we're going to be in the NIV one week. Uh, three things, instant gratification, greed, and fear. These are three barriers that if you don't hit head on, like if you don't address these things in your life, you will fail to be a generous person. Now the good news is Jesus faces them for us and he explains them very tenderly to say, hey, this is what you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of you're bent toward instant gratification. You need to be aware of greed, and you need to be aware of fear and worry, and he's going to help us with them. And so I, all know, I know we all want to be generous people. I don't know if there's anyone here that's be like, no, I don't want to be generous. We all want to be generous, but if we're honest, there are things that get in the way from us actually being generous. And this series is to help us to free us to be able to do that. And these are three very significant barriers that Jesus has addressed it's what he says, it's not me, so if you want to email someone, email Jesus, don't email me. Verse 19, Matthew 6, he says this, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, I like that word, vermin, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, watch out for them vermin, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where these things don't destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. Instant gratification. If you want to do finances well, you need to understand that finances work off of the laws of the harvest. They work off of sowing and reaping later and greater. Uh, they do not, they're not, they don't, they don't you, if you are bent around uh, instant gratifications, you will not do finances in any capacity well. Uh, how many here remember Pinocchio? Remember him? Uh, what happened when he lied? His nose got bigger. Well, what happened if you looked at something that you... What happened if your eyes got bigger if you looked at something you shouldn't see? What would happen if you heard something? What would happen if your ears got bigger if you heard something you shouldn't listen to? What would happen if your mouth got bigger if you said something you shouldn't say? I know exactly what you would do. You would not look at those things. You would not listen to those things. And you would not say those things. Because here's what's true about every one of us. We are, heart, we are bent toward instant gratification. We are subject to the immediate. Whatever our most immediate need is, we go after it. Finances don't work that way. They work off the harvest. of the. So if you got two people, one person sows a seed, another person doesn't sow a seed, after a week they both have the same thing, which is nothing. So why do all the work? Well, in three months, there will be a harvest. Some, this person will eat, this person won't. 
It's the way finances work. So bad financial habits in your 20s may not show up until your 30s or 40s. Testimonies, anyone? (laughs) This is all Jesus is getting. He's not talking about some lofty spiritual idea. He's just, he's appealing to our intellect. He's appealing to our logic. He's saying there are, you can invest in treasures that last, or you can invest in treasures that don't last. If you invest, you know, option A is treasures on earth. Now, it's interesting that he does call them treasures, right? He doesn't call them, he doesn't say junk. He admits that there's something about the things in this life that are kind of nice. A new wardrobe's kind of nice. Heated leather seats are kind of nice. A big TV, a nice house, a good meal. These are all nice things. He admits that they're treasure, but he just adds, surely you know that they're temporary. Surely you understand that they have a shelf life. Surely you know that all that you think is valuable is going to end up in a landfill someday. That, that watch you wear, the clothes you have, the car you drive, it's all temporary. It's all just calling it like it is. But he says you also have this opportunity to invest in things that are eternal. You have a vest. You have an opportunity to invest your time and your money and your resources in such a way that expands the kingdom of heaven, right? So when we become, um, you know, heaven isn't just some far off place, but Jesus said that kingdom of heaven is now, and we can enter, we can have more of heaven now in the way that we handle our finances. And as we're watching these videos, this is about the kingdom of heaven expanding, It's because there are people who have decided to invest in the kingdom of heaven and not in the kingdom of this earth. They made that decision, and this video is the fruit of that. And Jesus is saying you can spend your money in such a way that uh, that it doesn't just—it's not just here today and gone tomorrow. But you can invest yourself yourself in such a way that it's going to be an eternal reward that's going to go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And on and on it goes. But then he says, you also need to know that how you invest says something about who you really are. Because he adds, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. How you spend your money is an indication of who you really are. Think about mirrors for a second. Mirrors are important because they tell us what we really look like. They don't determine what we look like. They just tell us what we look like. So I can have this imagination, I can have this imagination like I've got this chiseled physique, right? Don't, why are you laughing? But if I get in front of the mirror, oh, I don't have a chiseled physique. A mirror tells me what I look like. What if there's a mirror that not only told you what you look like on the outside of you, but told you what you look like on the inside of you, who you really are, what you really care about? What makes you tick? What your mission in life is? Jesus says there is such a mirror. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you want to know what you're really about, what really motivates you, who you truly are, get out your bank statements, get out your credit card statements, and stand in front of the mirror. You may think you are generous. You may think you're whatever, but if you want to know what the mirror says, get out your statements and have a look.
where your money goes effortlessly is where your heart is. Now, if your finances are not built around generosity, the Bible has a word for that. It's a word that we don't like. It's, a, it's called greed. Nobody likes to think of themselves as greedy. In fact, I, uh, in leading in for 12 years as this church, uh, we've had thousands of people come in and out of this church. So, you know, some stayed, most left. Uh, over the thousands, and this is the way church works. Um, not one person has ever come to me in a sincere way and said, I want to confess to you that I am greedy. Not one person. And I have a decision. There's two, two things, you, there's two ways you can make sense of that. Number one, Jubilee Church just happens to attract only generous, non-greedy people. Which is amazing. That's one, option A. Option B is somebody's lying. Jesus has an answer. He says this. It sounds confusing, but it's super simple. The eye is, is the lamp of the body, so if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. This is all it's saying. This is how eyes work. Eyes work. Eyes need light. So your eye takes in light and it's able to see stuff. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's how your eyes work. So if the lights are on, you can find your way around the room, shake people's hand, take communion, do all kinds of stuff. But if we turn the lights out and it's really dark in here, you can't, you can't see where you're at. Uh, if you have good eyes or bad eyes. Now, if, if, if you have bad eyes, even if the lights are full strength, there could be light all around you, but you could still be walking in darkness. And Jesus is saying, this is the power that money has over the way you see yourself. In fact, in Luke 11 and 12, which is a mirror passage to this one, he says the exact same thing, you know, lamp of the body, all that stuff. But then he adds, watch out, watch out for all kinds of greed. Now, why would you have to watch out for something? Because it surprises you. He never says, watch out. You might commit adultery. Oh, I didn't know I was doing that. I just, it just... But you have to watch out for all kinds of greed. Because it has it, you have to take care, be on your guard. Greed has a way of hiding itself. Materialism has a way of hiding itself. No one thinks they're greedy. No one thinks they're materialistic. And Jesus says that's because it has a way of darkening our perspective. And the reason why this is so difficult, especially in America, is because we can always find someone wealthier than us. So we're not the greedy ones. It's the other guy. I mean, I was in St. George Island about four years ago. St. George Island is, is, a, is an island off the coast of, uh, of Florida, and you can rent these houses. We rented these houses and there's just all these rich and exclusive areas, just really nice homes and like Porsches and all this kind of stuff. As I was driving through this neighborhood, what I wasn't thinking is, I'm a really greedy person. I was thinking, I want one of those and I want one of those. And these greedy people here need to give me some of it. And I think that way until I go into a neighborhood where the houses are not as nice as the ones that I have. Their cars aren't as nice. Their clothes aren't as nice. So if you want to compare yourself to the rest of the world, and I know these stats make us feel terrible, but they're true. Do you know how rich you are? You, can, you only have to work five days for enough food for seven days. Do you know how rich that is? In fact, in many cases, one person, one person can work for five days 
to feed five people for seven days. That is extraordinarily rich compared to the rest of the world. In fact, in our country, not too long ago, you had to work six days. We don't feel that way. But what Jesus is saying is that if you and I don't even consider the possibility that we are greedy and materialistic, that is a very bad sign. If you want to be a generous person, you have to consider this possibility. You have to lay out how you spend your money. You have to see what you're really about. And I know you don't want to talk. It's a very touchy subject. It's why it's very quiet in here. No one likes to talk about it. And I, you, know, you know what the least likely things you are to talk about? We served maybe 100 people. We got the top four answers on the board. The number four thing, the number four reason, the number four thing that you're least likely to talk about. Um, what is the list? Sorry. <laughs> your weight. Your weight. I talked about my weight. Why can't you talk about your weight? Uh, your weight. Um, 50, only 50% are, are willing to tell people what, what they weigh. The number four answer is your health. 62% do not reveal to their friends when they have a health issue. The number two answer is the details of your sex life. 80% will not divulge the details of this. Now, the odd thing is 20% of you will, but, you know, 80%, that's not even the number one reason, number one thing that you're least like. The number one thing that you're least likely to tell someone else is your personal financial picture. Now, why is that? Could it be that we are afraid to look in that mirror? So instant gratification is a barrier. Greed is a barrier. But I think the biggest one is fear and worry. We're not afraid to be generous as much as we are afraid to be vulnerable. And we're afraid if we give ourselves to generosity... It'll end up leading, for us, leading us into scarcity. And Jesus hits that head, head on. And he has what I think is just like one of the most brilliant insights. He's going to say that uh, your worry is, is tied directly to your greatest devotion. What you are most devoted to it parallels what you worry about. And we don't usually put those things together because we put... We put worry in the, in the area of emotion, and we put uh, devotion in the area of will. We don't put those things together, but Jesus puts those things together. He says, what you worry about is a sign that says that's what you're devoted to. Whatever you're stressed about this morning is what you're most devoted to. So that's what Jesus says in Luke uh, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And that Greek word for money just means, is mammon, which means stuff, that you cannot serve God and be a servant of stuff. You can't be fully devoted to God and fully devoted to your stuff, and, and you got to choose. And some of us think, well, I don't want to choose. I kind of like both of them. I like my stuff, and I like my God, and I just, you know, it depends what day it is, and but Jesus is going to say, hey, there's going to become a point. There's, going to become, there's a war happening inside of you between what God wants for you and what money is demanding that you do. 
You cannot serve both of them. It's like you cannot be an avid Cubs fan and an avid Cardinals fan. They're on the same schedule. You can root for both of them as long as they're not playing each other, but they're going to be on the schedule. They're going to play each other, and you cannot be an avid fan of both. You've got to choose. You ca- your devotion to God, you're going to, you're going to come to a point to where your devotion to your stuff is going to have to fall, or your devotion to God is going to fall. One of those things will happen. One of those things will happen. So you're going to have to deal with it. And this is a battle that we all fight. So he says, therefore, which is not a new idea. He's connecting. When anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, it's connecting a previous idea to this. You know, he's connecting some thoughts here. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, that's kind of broad. Can you be more specific? Yes, I can. Do not worry about what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Now, these are the things that his audience worried about. You and I don't worry about those kinds of things. We don't necessarily worry about on a daily basis. Some of us maybe don't worry about on a daily basis what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear. I mean, like, literally, do we have any clothes? Not like, what am I going to wear today? Like, real issue. Um, And it's different. Like, in your 20s, you really, you are, I mean, I remember being in my 20s, it was about my appearance. I I worried about... The clothes I had and the car I drove, how I looked. And when you get into your 30s, you have kids, you just give up on how you look. You just, I mean, there's not an article of clothing that doesn't get spit up on or something. It's just like it's all ruined. And your car is like a, it's like a traveling health violation. It's just like there's, <laughs> there's like so much, I don't know where, how do the food gets into different nooks and crannies of that van, but it does. And, um, and then, so then it becomes about hardwood floors and curtains. And then your kids get a little older, and then it's about, you know, where they go to school and what kind of athletic programs we can get them in. That becomes a worry. And you get a little bit older, and it becomes about your retirement. So it may be different. So when, if, he was, if he, was, he was talking to this group, who was, this was their concerns. If he was talking to us, he would say, don't worry about your, don't worry about your industry. Don't worry about your career. Don't worry about your retirement. Don't worry about your kid's education. Don't worry about your marital status. Why? Because these things are important? No, they're important. They are important. He's going to address that later. His point isn't that your career, your retirement, your kid's education, your marital, these are, that they're not important. He's saying there is uncertainty to all of those things. And you know what? In some cases, it's not going to all work out. But you still don't have to worry. You can face the uncertainty of tomorrow without worrying today. Because then he asks you, what's a broadener perspective? Okay, here, see that. He's on the broadener perspective. He says, isn't life more than these things? I mean, you may really be worried about your job, but is your, does your job equal your life? Well, no. I mean, it's, 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 it's something. There's more to my life than just my job. Does your life equal where your kids go to school? Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's trying to give us. And he says something I think is really insensitive. He says, look at the birds of the air. What? My kid can't pass the 10th grade. You want me to look at the, bear, the, you know, the birds of the air? I, you know, I'm going to lose my job. You want me to look at the birds of the air? Are you kidding me? 
I imagine Jesus saying, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Because I'm trying to help you. Your path in life is determined by your devotion. And your devotion is determined by what you worry about. So he says, look at the birds. Look how God takes care of them. Aren't you more valuable than the birds? You see, when I made creation, you know, I made the birds and I made the grass of the field and I made the elephants and the tigers and the snakes and the little dogs with sweaters, and I'd made all of that. But when it came to humanity, I put my fingerprint on them. Humans are made in my image. And when I sent a savior into the world, I didn't send a bird. I didn't even send some rare species of animal that may or may not go extinct one day. I sent a human. So he's going to ask us this question, which I think, outside of is Jesus, who is Jesus, this is the most important theological question you'll ever answer in your life. Are you more valuable than birds? Birds don't even try. He says, they reap, but they don't sow. They're just, they're, they don't even, they don't, they didn't get an education. They don't have a 401k. They don't even, they don't even have a daytimer. They don't have an iPhone. They don't, they don't know what's going to happen. They just, I think I'll fly south today, and they fly south. I see a stick. I think I'll make a nest. I think I made one last year, but I think I'll make one another one again. They don't like follow their kids around to make sure they're safe, put a helmet on and bubble wrap. They just, they go to the highest place on a tree and then they kick their kids out. <laughs> they're not even trying. And God takes care of them. Let me ask you again. This is a really important question. The answer to this question will determine the level of joy and the level of peace that you have in your life. Are you more valuable than the birds? Are you, again, more valuable than the grass of the field? Besides, who can even add a single hour to your life through worry? See, money has this illusion of control. And so if I get a good education, and I get a good job, and I get married, and I, and, I, and I have a good paycheck, and I have a good 401k, and my kids, and I repeat that process with the kids, if I can just fill my life with this stuff, then I'll feel safe. Let, re rem let me remind you that you are now living on a blue and green rock called Earth that is traveling at 67,000 miles an hour while spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, which is why you should always wear a seatbelt. And it's tilted at 23.5 degrees by 60% of the gravitational pull from the moon, 40% from the sun. If it's at 25 degrees, no life on Earth. If it's at 22 degrees, no life on Earth. Your blood and the ocean comp is made up of 3.4% salt. 4%, no life. 3%, no life. 
The atmosphere consists of 21% oxygen, 19% no life, 23% no life. And, but somehow, somehow you believe that you can make yourself safe with a better paycheck. He's just trying to appeal to your senses. Can you even add one hour of your life by worry? So look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap. But God takes care of them. So don't worry about your industry, your kids' education, your retirement, or your marital status. And then he says this, for the pagans. Now, this word just means those people who do not believe that they have a father in heaven who loves them. The pagans run after or seek or devote themselves to all of these things. So Jesus is saying that when we worry about our lives and we try to pull all these resources to ourselves, we are not just giving ourselves to worry, but we are living as though God doesn't exist. Because the pagans, who do not know that they have a Father in heaven who loves them, they worry about the same things. But you know that you have a Father in heaven who loves you. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. See, what God wants to do, he wants to shine bright through us. He wants, to, he wants us to receive something. You see, when we receive the kingdom into our lives, Romans 14, 17 says that it, it's, it, we have an acute awareness of his righteousness, his peace, and his joy, regardless of the stuff that we have. You see, you and I think for us to have peace and joy, we have to have this job. We have to, have, we have to be married. We have to have this income. We have to have our kids got to go to this school. Our kids have to play these kinds of sports. We, we feel like we have to have this stuff. And that's exactly what everyone else in the world thinks. And Jesus says that's not the pathway to those stuff. In fact, the more you chase them, the, the, least, the, the less joy you'll have and the least peace you'll have. He wants to give you joy and peace. In fact, in, in Luke, I mentioned Luke 12 earlier, he says, you know, he, he talks about selling their possessions and giving away large sums of money, and he smells the fear. And he says, fear not, little flock. He knows we're just insecure, fragile, prone to wander sheep. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This thing that you're like searching for through an income, this thing you're searching for in how you raise your kids, this thing you're searching for in a spouse. You see, you don't, you're looking for what's behind the money. You feel there's security behind the money. You feel like there's identity behind the money. You feel like there's significance behind the money. You feel like there's right stand, like the sense that I'm right with the world and I'm okay. The sense of peace, the sense of joy. We're striving, and he's like, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom if you will just open up your hands. So why are you worrying? Jesus, I don't want to worry. I don't know why I worry. I just worry, and I just try to stop worrying, but trying to stop worry is like trying to fall asleep when you can't fall asleep. The more you think about it, the worse it gets. You do, not, you do not stop worrying by just saying, okay, I'm going to stop worrying. You have to 
what Jesus is going to say. Redirect your devotion. You're going to have to redirect your devotion. This is what he says. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. You have been seeking after all these things first since led you to a valley of worry. Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, his peace, and his joy you'll have. So here's what I think we should do. I think you should spy on your money this week. I want you to track your expenses. There's a tool. If you go on the website, you'll see a, a little button that says generous on it. You click that, you'll see something. This a list says track your spending. There's some other stuff there that will help you as well, but just track your expenses for a week. I think you should do it for a couple of months. You'll get a better picture, but at least do it for a week. And if, it, if you feel like, well, that's too time, don't spend so much money and then I won't have so much work to do, but just... Track your spending for a week, thereby tracking your devotion. And as you look at, as you look at your expenses, and you're like, you know what, I, I, I'm discovering that I'm devoted to some things I don't want to be devoted to. I mean, I, I like this stuff, and I want this stuff. But I don't, want, I don't want my life to be about stuff. I want my life to be about who God is. I don't want to seek all these things. I want to seek, I want, I want to get rid of this worry that I feel, and I want to trust God. So I'm going to redirect my devotion. And then I would encourage you to pray something like this. God, you know how much I like this house. You know how much I like the car that I drive. You know that I want vacations like this. You know that I want my kids to have a good education. You know that I'm looking for a good retirement. You know that these things are important. But you said, if I seek first your kingdom, that you will take care of me. Instead, I want to seek your kingdom first. I want your kingdom to invade not just the world, but I want it to invade my world. I want to seek your kingdom first and where I live second. I want to seek your kingdom first and where I retire second. I want to seek your kingdom first and where my kids go to school second. In other words, I have decided to transfer my devotion from my stuff to your kingdom. And I'm going to sit down every year, every month, every day, and I will look at my calendar and I will look at my finances and I will do to the best of my ability to seek your kingdom. And when I'm tempted to run and hide, when I'm tempted to give in to fear, I'm going to pray that your will be done. And I'm going to remind myself that you're going to take care of me. I'm going to remind myself that I am more valuable than the birds. I am going to remind myself that you have promised me certain things and that you will take care of me according to your riches and glory. But I want your will to be done more than what I want my own way. That's what I want, Jesus. I want that to be my devotion. And I've seen it a hundred times, hundreds of times, that when people make that transfer of devotion, you get what you read about in Philippians 4, which is a peace that passes all man's understanding. I said a few minutes ago that we all think, we all think we all have this job in mind, this paycheck in mind, this car in mind, this house in whatever it is. We all have something in mind that if we get to that, we'll have peace. And God's going to say, I will give you a peace that regardless of your circumstances. See, that's why it passes all men's understanding. Because men, men think 
Humanity thinks they have to have this in order to have peace. And they may look at your life and they're like, man, if I was you, I'd be a stressed out wreck. How do you have this peace? It's a, it's a peace that passes understanding. And then you get into evangelistic endeavors. Because it says things like it says in First Peter, be prepared to give a defense when people ask you for the hope that is in you. Why are you so at peace? You should be stressed out. You should be saving. You should be doing something. He's given you a peace that passes all man's understanding. And when they ask you about the hope, oh, you want to know about this? My life is about Jesus. See, Jesus wants to use you. He wants to shine his brilliance in you and through you to the world so that we can all reap a harvest that lasts for eternity, not that just here and gone today. The stuff that we have is all going to end in a landfill. And God invites us to, to invest in treasures that will not rust, that will not fade. And the way that you invest in this treasure, the way that you can, where that you can treasure his kingdom more than you treasure his stuff is when we get a good glimpse of Jesus who treasured you more than he treasured his life. He's the one that we're looking to. He's the one that we're getting our cue from. He let it all go. And it, and it produced. It produced us. Unless a seed is willing to fall to the ground, it just is a, you know, a seed and it doesn't do anything. But if a seed's willing to fall on the ground and die and lay down its life, it produces 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 times. God invites us into his world if we're willing to lay down our treasures. Why don't you get out your communication card?